0: First Timothy four verse eight: "For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come." First of all, I want you to know that I know this sermon's title is politically incorrect. It's strengthening the inner man. But it just sounded better than strengthening the inner person. It sounded better than strengthening the inner man slash woman. So I hope you understand. Where we are is in the fifth sermon in this series, That Old Time Religion. And we've been focusing on tried and true spiritual practices for today's believers. Practices that perhaps have fallen on hard times. Practices that seem to have become less common in our day and age, and practices that, let's face it, maybe we ourselves have let slide. But these practices and a commitment to the historic Christian faith, a firm commitment to Jesus, are without a doubt what you and I need today, friends. Your family needs them. Churches and Christians, I believe, must Bear down today and stand on the historic faith of our forefathers and foremothers and stand on Jesus the rock. In thinking about the topic for today, what, I was, what was coming to mind is this increased focus on health and fitness all over the place. Have you noticed that? All the statistics show obesity rates are continuing to climb, to climb up. Actually, they might have sort of leveled off. But in the midst of all those reports about obesity, there is also an increase in people who are serious about fitness. And I'm not talking about just regular exercise. I'm talking people running marathons, Ironman competitions, boot camps. And I know people in all those categories very close to me. I mean, this is serious stuff. I think about that going on, that focus on fitness, and then I also think about our culture's focus on healthcare. And I'm not going to talk about Obamacare. I'm talking about healthcare, I don't think you want me to. I think of our concern, though, with like our blood pressure and cholesterol, and how if we let ourselves, and if we go through a few websites, we can get pretty obsessive about these sort of things, pretty concerned. I, I, I read an article recently about how proactive we are today about cancer, and it said that our doctors are likely removing any number of precancerous areas in people, which may very well never turn into cancer. But of course, we want to be safe rather than sorry, and we have access to great health care, and we can be and we are that proactive in our nation. And so, as I reflect on all that, I think but what about our care for the inner man, the inner woman? Our souls, which will last long after our physical bodies have decayed in the grave. Where is the seriousness? Where is the obsession for that? People today are very concerned about the external man. But many of our spiritual forefathers showed great discipline in building up their inner man. Now trust me, I am not dissing health and fitness. And believe me, I want excellent health care. The Bible says our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, so we absolutely should be taking very good care of them. The question is are we as concerned about our inner selves? And that's, that's my simple challenge for you today to ask that question to help each one of us answer it. And hopefully be able to take some steps to strengthen our inner person. How can you strengthen the inner man? I've got six ideas. First of all, when you approach physical fitness or spiritual fitness, you need a game plan. And you have an option between having a game plan or no game plan. I think that's up there, huh? Oh. Oh. Hmm. I'm trying to think here. You'll see where this is going to go. You're, you were right to wait, Ryan. Sorry I got a little concerned, but this, this is good. This is fine. You'll see. This is just, for a couple of years, it was very easy for me. This is, I'm getting personal now. For a couple years, it was pretty easy for me to keep weight off because I was taking chemotherapy one week out of the month. And Sarah and I, we affectionately called this my chemo diet. After having, if you have a very low appetite for one week out of every month, it will work wonders. But I will not recommend that diet to anybody. Leading up to my final treatment this past September, I needed a game plan going forward. I had no plan for at least a month. I was just happy to be done. And you know what? Guess what? Nothing happened. There was no plan. There was no exercise. There was no progress. But then I made a game plan, and for the last six weeks, I've been following it. The Bible gives us a general game plan for godliness, and we summarize it with what Ryan had up there and will have up there, out with the old, in with the new. All right, That is the game plan. Colossians 3 verse 5 says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then a number of verses after that, it says, clothe yourselves with compassion and all that. And other places in the New Testament talk about it as putting off the old, putting on the new. Going back over the centuries, there are technical theological words for this which I want you to know and I want you to see. They are mortification and vivification. If you think about it, just the fact that this has been given special theological terms, what does that tell you? It it tells you that this was a real craft that saints in the past took seriously. If you want to read a lot about it, go to Uh, a writer by the name of john owen he wrote probably more than anybody else on this but a lot of our spiritual forefathers did out with the old refers to mortification like the word mortician it refers to death and the bible says we have to put something to death and it's our old nature Because of the fall, we have a sinful nature that makes us capable of all sorts of sins against God and our fellow human beings. The reality is even when we receive a new nature by God's grace through faith in Jesus, guess what? We do not receive that new nature perfectly in this life. It will always be only in part. So the deal is, even if the old nature doesn't dominate anymore in the believer, it remains, and it tries to rear its ugly head at every opportunity. And we have to keep that old man down, as the Bible talks about our sinful nature. Anybody have the old nature try to rear its ugly head in your life? If if you're not raising your hand, that means you've gone on to glory and you're not here. Thomas Watson says, the way to heaven is sweating work. It's sweating work. We're called to fight. We're called to work. We're called to put to death that old nature, like Colossians 3 says. And so we hate sin, and we flee from it. And we have to admit that sometimes we don't make much effort. Sometimes we're not... Working hard. Sometimes we say an angry word to our spouse and we never apologize and we just move on. Sometimes we're grumpy about something in the church and we express our grumpiness and we feel we are justified in talking that way and we never come back humbly and say, hey, I was wrong for that attitude and I was wrong for those words. That's not how a Christian acts in the church. I'm sorry. I think sometimes the language we use in our homes between parents and kids, brothers and sisters, and sometimes we never stop to work on these things. Someone concerned about strengthening their inner life will reflect on where she's gone wrong and be ashamed about her behavior and ask God for forgiveness and resolve to do better next time. The flip side of mortification is vivification. You've heard of the word vivacious. That means a lively, animated person. And in our own family, in the dictionary, it says, see also Adriana Scheringer, our two-year-old. Very vivacious. Vivification is the coming alive of the new nature. We don't only battle sin, but we want holiness we want godliness in its place romans 12 2 we seek the good and acceptable and perfect will of god we want the fruit of the spirit from galatians 5 to be visible and growing in our lives in the end this out with the old in with the new stuff it's about being like christ because he put off sin, he rejected it, he fled from temptation, and at the same time he overflowed with the fruit of the Spirit. He overflowed with doing the will of God. He did it perfectly. And, and so when you think about spiritual fitness, that's the general game plan. Out with the old, in with the new, beating down that old nature, being filled with holiness and godliness. And that's a tough task. But i got to tell you that when you belong to Jesus, when you give your life to him, this will start happening. Because in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So this will begin to happen in believers because Jesus put sin to death on the cross and rose to new life three days later to save us and sent his spirit to empower us. You have the power. All who believe in Jesus can really start on the path of strengthening that inner person. I want to talk next about some details, some more details of this. And we're going to move through these a little more quickly. Second, when we're concerned with physical fitness, we make choices to eat better. And we we sort of have this option, a healthy diet versus junk food. I understand this was the topic at mom to mom or Women's Mentoring thing just this past week. We should care about what we're putting into ourselves. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So what are we putting into our souls, our minds, our hearts? Theme verse from Gems last year, Philippians 4.8. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things, not the junk food. These days, there's a lot that we are putting into ourselves with our mobile devices. A lot of stuff we put into ourselves a lot of other places. I'm thinking of our our mobile devices, phones, tablets, ready, easy access to YouTube, to Netflix, to Snapchat, to Vine, to Facebook, to the news, we can get most all of that stuff wherever we are, whether it's on the train or on the bus, in the car, on the couch at home, in our bedrooms, we access it while we're waiting in line at the store, it's it's hard to put these things down. How much of what we're taking in all the time is helpful for your inner person? Are we even asking ourselves the question, we need to? Parents, are we helping students learn to engage these media or just letting whatever happen? I'll go out on a limb here and and say that the vast majority of what we're taking in, including something just as basic as the everyday news, is not edifying. It's not strengthening our inner person. It's junk food. It's damaging. There's also good and edifying resources in all of these places. Have we sought them out? Have you made any decisions to, to pull back your screen time drastically and replace that time with reading a good book? When's the last time you read a Christian biography or autobiography? We open up our Bibles. We can find good devotionals. So the question here is, what are we taking in in our lives? How can we improve our spiritual diet? A fitness plan, thirdly, needs regular exercise, not sporadic. 1 Corinthians 9 says, run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who completes the games goes into strict training. So Paul's telling us to view this spiritual growth stuff and effort like an athlete who goes into intense training to achieve a goal, to run a marathon. Strengthening our inner person requires discipline, regularity, a pattern of helpful behavior. And you could think about this on a lot of levels. Whether it's your family devotions, your personal devotions, your personal Bible study or your Bible study with a small group, your attendance with God's people in worship. In all of those areas and more, the way for the inner man to be strengthened is to be steady and regular and disciplined not sporadic in these things. The discipline will build spiritual muscle. To strengthen your inner man, you've also got to fourthly be stretching yourself. And if you don't, you'll plateau. I'll tell you what I'm doing in my own current plan. Um, I'm not doing anything, this is physical now. I'm not doing anything amazing or wild. I'm just trying to get on the treadmill at least 30 minutes twice a week. And I'll do some, a combination of walking and jogging because I don't feel like I can jog for 30 minutes. And then every time I try to increase the amount of time that I jog versus walk so that I'm gaining strength and gaining stamina. And up until now, I have been doing that because I don't want to plateau. I want to increase stamina from where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Hebrews 12, 11 and 12 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. And we think immediately about our actual arms and knees, but we're talking about our inner man. How... Our, how are our arms and our knees spiritually. What would it look like if you were stretching yourself spiritually? We should always be looking for the next step in our spiritual life. We shouldn't be content with the status quo. Maybe a next step for you is finding a more challenging devotional to read. Maybe the next step for you is finding a devotional to read, period. Maybe it's starting to attend a Bible study for the first time in your life. Maybe for you it's to become a crossroad instructor and disciple people who are just learning about Jesus. Maybe for you it's going to the men's or women's prayer group that we have here. Maybe it's time to step up and step forward in an area of service or ministry that God's been laying on your heart for a while. Maybe you just got to do it. You got to make that call. Fifth, strength and fitness will come through regular self examination. Some people have a tendency to avoid doctors, to avoid regular checkups. If that's you, you know it's not right. You shouldn't do it. It's not advisable. It's not advisable physically, and it's not advisable spiritually. Psalm 26 says, test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. And Psalm 139 says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. The life of a Christian includes self-examination. It's not an unexamined life. The scriptures urge us again and again to check our hearts, to check our minds. And the Lord's Supper form that's in the back of our blue hymnals it talks about that beautifully, that examination in light of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Do you and I seek God's face and ask him to search our hearts? Or do we avoid that meeting, that conversation? Do we avoid that examination? An examination, whether it's physical on your body or spiritual, what it does, it does, we avoid it because it does something that we'd rather ignore. An examination will highlight and point to weak spots. And we don't want to hear that. But when we do, we can tackle that area. We can do something about it. We can make progress. There's just one final way to strengthen the inner man I want to share with you. And that's to keep your eye on the goal, not always on the moment. Why would that be? It's because if we're serious about our faith, if we have this stuff going on, including the self-examination, We will not always see progress in ourselves. We will see problems. We'll get discouraged. And the Puritans would talk about and use this illustration often about someone who dusts the furniture in their living room, feels really good about how clean the room is, but then get really disappointed and discouraged when the sunlight shines through that room Revealing all the dust that's still there. That can and does happen to you and me when Jesus, our son of righteousness, shines in our hearts. We become aware of how far we have to go and we can get discouraged. And then I believe the key is to keep your eye on the goal, on the prize, rather than looking at the day to day. Philippians 3 says, Forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. Keep focused on him. Let that propel you forward. And then you'll find, even if you're not seeing great progress day by day, if you look back on the big picture, Jesus will mean more to you today than he meant five years ago. You'll see, if you look at the big picture rather than day-to-day, you're more active in the church and in worship than you were ten years ago. It can help to step and look at the big picture of your giving, your serving, your patience, how well you're encouraging others. And that big picture may show backsliding. If you look at five years ago, ten years ago, a year ago, well, then, then it's a wake-up call for you, isn't it? The big picture may show some flabbiness, spiritually speaking. Well, then it's time to make some changes. Praise God that he worked in you to check it out, to examine yourself, and you could fix it with his help. So that's, that's my, my question and challenge for you today. What is the state of your inner man? What's the state of your inner person? Sometimes in the Christian life, it can feel like one step forward and two steps back. Believe me, I know. But may the big picture be for us a picture of, Of steady growth, increasing strength, spiritual iron men, spiritual iron women. As much as we care about our external man with our physical fitness, with going to doctors and making sure everything's tuned up, may we make an effort to strengthen our inner person as well. May that be a priority in this church. May Faith Church be a place that encourages people in godliness and in holiness. Amen.